Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis 25 and 26 on the famine in the land that Isaac faced after the death of his father Abraham and how it wasn't the same famine that was in the land that his father Abraham had faced previously before. We want to continue to ask for your prayers for the Jewish evangelism outreach going on right now with Israel Restoration Ministries. And our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder and president of Israel Restoration Ministries, a specific Jewish evangelism outreach ministry trying to reach Jewish people around the world, from Israel all the way to the Canada, the U.S., South America, wherever Jewish people are. We have missionaries working full-time, part-time, and even volunteers like you out there that help get involved with us to reach lost Jewish people. If you'd like to be a volunteer or work for us full-time, call us for information on opportunities at 800 800- 247 You can also call us with a donation of any amount to support Jewish evangelism and this Bible teaching radio program at 800-247-3051. Now, our Summer Blitz campaign is going on right now with 111 missionaries in 15 U.S. and Canadian cities, major Jewish cities, trying to reach lost Jewish people. Now, we've had Orthodox Jews now coming to church, even atheist Jews now coming and visiting church and receiving the gospel, materials at their door, on the street, person-to-person, face-to-face. Jewish people are being countered by our missionaries that are out there in these cities with gospel gifts from Israel Restoration Ministries and a personal witness. Now, if you'd like to support the gospel going to the Jew first throughout our nation right now, you can do so by calling us at 800 247 3051 with a donation of any amount 800-247-3051 you can donate also at israelrestoration.org israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.org or again call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051 now here is Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 25:26 on the famine that Isaac faced after the death of his father Abraham and how it wasn't the same famine that he faced See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes to the city of Jerusalem. He looks at it, and he weeps over it. And the Greek word there, kleo, is a word that means a loud wailing. He wailed loudly. You could hear him throughout the city. It was not a quiet sobbing. I mean, this is a loud wailing. So the almighty king of the universe is wailing loudly over the city, and people still take the trash out. What's all that loud crying out there? I don't know. It's that Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, make sure the animals are fed while you're out. And shut the windows. It's noisy. He cries out in Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? You would not. The almighty king of the universe, he cries out. No one turns their head to see. And so he says in Isaiah 65, 2, I spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. The almighty king of the universe stretches out his hands all day long. He's ignored. That's why God treats these people so badly. Because of Proverbs 1.24, because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. Because of Proverbs 1.25, you have said it not, all my counsel, you would none of my reproof. He speaks of his counsel, which is to repent and to be saved. He speaks of his reproof, which is a declaration, you're a sinner. And he speaks about what they did to his counsel, and he says, they said it at not. And that means that, that when they go to give their likes or, you know, dislike, whatever, they, they say zero. Zero ratings for God's counsel. 
They put it zero. As for his reproof, he says they would none, zero of my reproof. They said they're going to have nothing to do with it. And that reminds me of a friend when I asked him one time, and I said, so how do you see, I said something like, uh, so uh, how do you see yourself as a sinner? And he says, a sinner. He says, you know, of course not. I'm not a sinner. Don't talk like that, he said. I'm not a sinner. I'm no sinner. God says more about what they did with his counsel and his reproof in verse 30 of Proverbs 1. He said, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof, just like Esau despised his birthright, despised his reproof. Why did all this happen? For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, the prosperity fool shall destroy them, in verse 32, Proverbs 1. Why? Turning away. See, God calls this turning away. Esau turned away. Cain turned away from God. They didn't turn to, they turned away. The turning away of the simple shall slay them. Now, we come now to chapter 26, where we read in verse 1, there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. So this chapter is now starting off with a famine in the land. And so, you know, another one, okay. And notice how the famine is described. It says, there was a famine in the land beside that famine that was in the days of Abraham. See, this is a new famine. And what's emphasized here is that this famine is not the same as the famine that happened in the days of Abraham. There's something about this famine. There's something about the way that's described that it's more than just clarifying that it wasn't the same as that famine. It's this description of the famine here that is so different that it just causes us to stop and look at it and say, now how did they describe that first famine? How did they describe the first famine? It's in Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. <laughs> Beside the first famine, that was in what? Okay, you got it. Oh, you're a genius. You get the Nobel Prize. So, <laughs> in the days of Abraham. See, that description is interesting for us. In the days of Abraham. Because it throws us back into the previous chapter, chapter 27, verse 7. And you remember when we talked about this, when we said how they described, how the life of Abraham is described in verse 7, and these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. See, that phrase, these are the days of the years of the life of Abraham's life which he lived. It told us that the term of Abraham's life is like a sandwich. It's a sandwich of time. And that inside that sandwich are days. And this is the sandwich of time. Abraham had a sandwich of time of days. You and I have each have our own sandwich you know, of days. And that sandwich describes our life. Or the days, the monumental times. Monumental days as we looked at. That was a great day with God. That was a great day with God. That was a tough day, but God was with me. Those are the days. And so that's how Abraham's life is viewed, these days. And he said, this is not part of the, day, the famine that happened during the days of Abraham, during that sandwich of time. So we're told here, this is another trial of a famine, and this one is obviously in the sandwich of time of the days of Isaac. This famine happened during the days of Isaac, or during the time when God was with him on this day, and this day, and this day. And oh, there was this famine during this days also. See, that's told to us so we can understand that this chapter in particular, what we're going to find from here on out, is really going to be all about the days of Isaac, or God and Isaac, those days of God and Isaac, as opposed to those days of God and Abraham. So we're going to go through in this chapter, it's going to be exciting because we're going to go through a series of trials. 
And Isaac's going to face these trials alone with God. And these are going to be trials that are going to develop something in Isaac because these trials are going to develop Isaac's life with God. See, Isaac's life with God. In fact, since the last chapter was the death of Abraham, if we want to put a title on, I mean, let me put it this way. The last chapter covered or, or spoke about the death of Abraham. So if we want to put a title on this chapter, we can say, okay, this is the beginning of Isaac's life with God. And the most significant difference between this chapter and the last chapter is Abraham. Abraham was in the last chapter, and Abraham's not in this chapter. So this chapter is really dedicated to be all about Isaac. Nobody else is here. I mean, Isaac, it's just Isaac. I mean, we, you know, apart from him messing around with his wife, I mean, sporting with his wife, we don't see Abraham, we don't see Jacob, we don't see Esau. It's just Isaac. And as far as developing a life with God, this chapter is showtime for Isaac. He was 40 years old before he got married. That's a long time for the boy to live under the, in the house there. That's a long time for the boy to live under the umbrella of the shadow of Abraham. 40 years, that's a long time. But now Abraham, he's not in this chapter. And in this chapter, Isaac, he's on his own. In this chapter, Isaac is not seen in the shadow of the umbrella of Abraham. He's not. That's what's wonderful about this chapter because this chapter is wonderful because it's going to show us how Isaac develops his own life with God. In this chapter, we're going to see how God, through his faithfulness, works with a totally different person, Isaac, to develop Isaac's life with God. So we can start out by looking at that and looking at this chapter through the eyes of Isaac. We look through the eyes of Isaac and then we can just sort of imagine a little conversation between Isaac and God that might have gone, just to kind of drive some points here, might have gone something like this. Lord, is Isaac speaking. Lord, you and my father Abraham, you got along really well together. I don't know how we're going to get along together. You know, he's alone here. And Lord, you called my dad Abraham. You called my dad Abraham your friend. You called him that, your friend. And I don't know if you're going to end up calling me your friend also. And Lord, I know about the time when you changed my dad's name from Abram to Abraham. As it says in Genesis 17, 3 through 5, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be called any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. So Isaac would say, you know, he takes a verse like this, a verse like this, and he says, Lord, you and my dad Abraham, you talked face to face. I don't know if we're going to talk face to face. And Lord, I don't know how I'm going to fill my father's shoes. Because the type of life that Abraham had to make you happy, I just don't know I'm going to have that life. And Lord, my dad's first name, Abram, which means exalted father or big daddy. <laughs> that wasn't a bad name, you know. But you gave him an even better name, Abraham, which means father of many nations. And Lord, that was a really great name you gave to my dad, Abraham, father of many nations. My dad, Abraham, had a great name, and you and my dad were tight. You were tight together. I mean, Lord, with a God-given name like Abraham, or father of men and nations, it's very easy to see how you took him seriously. But Lord, I have a problem. My problem is that the name you gave me is Isaac, which means laughter. <laughs> and Lord, how can anyone take a person seriously whose name is laughter? <laughs> I just hope you take me seriously, even though my name is laughter. See? And I hope I become as tight 
as you as you were with my dad, Abraham, even though my name's laughter. <laughs> you know? Lord, I'm just a little nervous as to how my life is going to develop with you. And if I, as the son of Abraham, I don't want to disappoint you. We can imagine this is Isaac's mind. He's starting off alone. He's got some big shoes to fill. You know? So in that little made-up conversation between Isaac and God, we can see struggles that Isaac naturally would have faced as he sets out on his journey to build a life with God, develop a life with God, and he's not under the shadow of Abraham anymore. His dad, Abraham, he has a wonderful life with God. He didn't have a wonderful life. He does have a wonderful life with God now. But he's known as the father of faith, Abraham. And that's a pretty hard act for Isaac to follow. Of all people, Isaac was the closest one to observe Abraham and to see this life with God that Abraham had. And it was just built on this tightness of this relationship between God and Abraham. But what we'll find is that Abraham has Abraham's personality. And Isaac has Isaac's personality. And Jacob has Jacob's personality. And the personality of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not the same. They are very different from each other. And it would be wrong for Isaac to try to copy Abraham's personality. And the beauty of this chapter is that it's going to show us how God adapts and becomes Isaac's God, even though Isaac has a totally opposite personality compared to Abraham. We'll return on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Tom Cantor has designed a beautiful, full-color gospel presentation track. It's a Ten Commandment track that asks the question, Have you kept the Ten Commandments? And are you good enough? In this gospel presentation that's very detailed, goes through prophecy and fulfillments, Old Testament verses, and presents the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from the Old Testament and shows that he's the Jewish Messiah for Gentiles and Jewish people. It's a tremendous gospel presentation. We'll give you 20 of them for a $20 or more donation towards the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. You can call for your 20 tracks with a $20 or more donation at 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information about Tom Cantor. Now here again is Tom Cantor. And that's going to show us that no one should ever try and become another person because Each of us is different. We're unique. And God's able to become the God of each of us with our own personality. That's one of the wonderful things in this chapter. And this chapter is going to teach us what Isaac knew, and that's what you and I know, is that no one, including Isaac, is born with a life with God. Even though he's the son of Abraham, even though Isaac was the son of Abraham, Isaac had to develop his own life with God. And we know that just because, just because we have a life with God, that's no guarantee that our children are going to have a life with God. Just because we have a life with God, that doesn't mean that our children are born with the life of God. They're not. And just like Isaac, our children have to develop their own life with God. And we as parents, we can't dictate it. We can't command it. We can't command it into our children. Each one of our children has to develop their own life with God. We want to see our children develop and have a mature life with God, especially before they leave our homes. We'd surely like that. But what we're going to see in this chapter is that Isaac did not develop and mature his life with God until his parents were out of the picture. And we have to accept that for our children, that it may take 
their departure from our lives, for them to develop and mature and to get their own life with God. And that brings us angst. That brings us anxiety. And anxiety and angst is like energy. And so what do we do with this energy? What do we do with this anxiety? We focus it into prayer. Because in chapter 23, we saw all the concern that Abraham showed for making sure that Isaac got the right wife. Abraham knew this is going to make or break the boy. The wife that he gets is the make or break. So we got to get the right gal for the guy. And so what happened there in that chapter, we saw that, but Abraham was old. He was frail. He couldn't make the journey. He couldn't go there. He, he would have if he could have to get the right one for his wife, get the, for a wife for Isaac, but he couldn't. And so he was forced to send Eliezer. In the same way, Abraham is not able to command Isaac's life with God. So Abraham does what he can, which is to pray for Isaac to have a life with God. And we saw Abraham filled with anxiety over this issue of a life with God for his child in the case of Ishmael. Because Abraham's heart was broken when he looked at Ishmael and he says, I don't see a life with God in Ishmael. And so what does he do? We're told what he did in Genesis 17, 18, when it says, and Abraham, and Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. What's that mean? Oh, that Ishmael might have a life with you. Oh, that Ishmael might have a life with God. See, feeling helpless to make Ishmael have a life with God, Abraham pleads with God in prayer for Ishmael to have a life with God. That's a precious sight for us when we see something like that. Abraham pleading with God for his son. And we're in the same boat as Abraham. We can't command a life with God for our children. So all we can do is what Abraham do. We can pray. Our children will have a life with God. See, that was a wonderful part in that wedding ceremony yesterday of Emily and Russ and and the part that really, well, for me, was the most special was while the couple standing, uh, how many were there? Most of you were there. <laughs> the couple standing there in front of the congregation and the parents of the bride and the groom, they go up and they huddle around them and pray. You remember that? Wasn't that precious? I mean, like Abraham, they couldn't command their kids to have a life with God and that their family would be for God, but they could pray and they were praying and they did pray. And that was nice. As I watched that scene of the parents, you know, huddled over, arms around them both, praying for the bride and groom, made me think of a marriage of a daughter, of a friend of mine, very religious uh, friend of mine in New Jersey. My friend's an Orthodox Jewish man. And so that was a Hasidic wedding, Hasidic marriage. And so there under the chuppah, the canopy there, was the bride and the groom, and the parents came up also. And they stood there in front of the rabbi, but they weren't praying over their children. You know what they were doing? They were going over something called a ketubah, which is a marriage contract that covers the obligations of the bride and the groom and goes into specific details of exactly what merchandise has to be returned to who in the event of a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was glad to see the parents at yesterday's marriage had had come up to pray. (laughs) And we come to God with anxiety over our kids. So they have their own life with God. And we pray, and we pray for them. And something unexplainable happens when we do that. And it's described to us in Proverbs 14.26, where it says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. That the unexplainable that happens when we pray and trust God for our kids, that they'll have a life with God, is we get this unexplainable strong confidence And when we pray and trust God for our kids to have their own life with God, we get this strong confidence that our kids are going to have a place of refuge. That's what a life of God is. It's a place of refuge. 
So another title for this chapter might be Isaac, not in the shadow of Abraham, getting his place of refuge, the life with God. So there will be in this chapter seven short but very important problems that Isaac's going to have in the land of Gerar. And these problems are pivotal in Isaac developing his life with God. As we study these seven problems, we're going to see interwoven within the fabric of these histories a pattern, an old pattern of Satan's opposition to God's child. And we're also going to see a pattern of God's help for his child. And that's going to be interesting. In other words, we're going to see that our life, we're going to see through Isaac, what happens to him, our life boils down to a warfare. We're in a warfare. And what's needed in a warfare? We talked about a place of refuge, protection, protection. And we're told that we have a very strong protection in our lives for this long warfare that we're in. And that very powerful protection is described to us in Proverbs 18.10, where it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. That very powerful protection, which is like a strong tower, is called the name of the Lord. But there are many names of the Lord, many names of God. We need to learn them. Different names for the Lord, and not just, you know, not just the list, but what is behind each name. What's the meaning? What is the implication, the connotation that's carried behind each name? Because we need those names. They're like a tool chest for us, or a war chest. You know, we pull out this name for this battle, and we pull out that name for that battle, and this one for that. And wisdom is to know which name to pull out. And some of the more common names for God are, or Lord, meaning he's overall, or Father, meaning he's tender and loving, or Creator, meaning that he made all things. See? That's why in the back of the Friendship with God Bible, this is a commercial, <laughs> we have a list of many names and their references show the meaning. But there's one name for God which is hardly ever used, and in this chapter is going to give us the meaning for that name, and therefore when it's appropriate to use it. Anybody want to take a stab at what that unique name for God is? The unique name that we're going to discover that's very rarely ever used is the God of Isaac. The God of Isaac. I never hear anybody calling God, God of Isaac. <laughs> Who? <laughs> no, because among the many names for God that Genesis gives us the meaning for, like Creator God, Elohim, there's three very important names that are very infrequently used, and that's what we're finding here. And those names are the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham as the God of the person who is the brave type A pioneer. The God of Isaac as the God of the person who is the retiring, non-aggressive, quiet, passive, meek, self-restraining, meditative dreamer. The God of Jacob, as the God of the person who is bold, impulsive, act first, think later, double A type. <laughs> you know anybody like that? And so, but each one of those names are so important. He's not just the God of Abraham. He's not just the God of Isaac. He's not just the God of Jacob. He is the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. And as we study the God in the lives of these three individuals, we learn the meaning and when to pull that name out as a strong tower to use in our battle. The God of Abraham. I'm calling on you now as the God of Abraham. God of Isaac. God of Jacob. So, there are in this chapter, as we said, seven problems that Isaac is going to have in the land of Gerar. It's going to cause the development of his life with God. 
another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, who is the Friendship with God radio host, but also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism outreach ministry, and your donation of any amount helps to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program staying on this station in your city. Would you consider giving a donation of any amount? You can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org can donate one time, or you can become a monthly supporter with a donation of any amount that's reoccurring by calling us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Now, with a donation of $20 or more this month, you will receive 20 tracks from Tom Cantor. These are specially designed gospel tracks, full-color beautiful tracks with an incredible presentation of the gospel from the Old Testament using Old Testament scripture, prophecy, and fulfillment, showing that you need a blood sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ was prophesied to be that. And it's a beautiful gospel presentation you can give to a Jewish person or a Gentile. And again, it's designed specifically by Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor. Get 20 of these for a $20 or more donation. It'll help support this Bible teaching radio program as well as support Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries and our summer blitz that's going on in the U.S. and Canada in 15 major cities with over 111 missionaries. You'll be supporting the gospel going to the Jew first as well as the Gentiles. Now, you can call with a donation of $20 or more. We'll send you these 20 tracks. Call us now at 800-247-3051. This offer is not available on our website right now, although we do have a bookstore online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. But call us directly for these 20 tracks, 800-247-3051, 800 247 3051.